Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Music and Therapy Podcast with Relationships, Kiana W. Mitchell. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. So this week on the podcast, we are going to talk about something very exciting. But before we do that, let's talk about last week. So last week on the podcast, we talked about how to show your spouse gratitude. And I love that episode, even though it was a throwback, because it is important for us to know how we can let the people in our lives, especially the people closest to us, which is our spouse, know how much we love them and care about them. When you give gratitude to your spouse, it is like breathing a breath of fresh air into your relationship. So that is why I wanted to talk about it, and I'm glad we did talk about how you can show gratitude. Um, in addition to some of the ways that were discussed in the podcast, you can show gratitude by sending text messages, by doing something special for them out of the blue, by just telling them you appreciate them. Be like, hey, I love you. Thank you so much for being who you are. There are many ways to show gratitude. And I think the whole goal is for us to find out and seek out ways to show gratitude that resonates with our spouse, that they understand, that they get. And so that they will realize how much they are loved, valued, and appreciated by us. So that was last week's episode. If you missed last week's episode, then I do encourage you to go back and listen to it. It had a lot of information and a lot of things that you could do to show gratitude to your spouse. So if you haven't heard it yet, just go ahead and click the last week's episode in the show notes and it'll take you there and you can listen to it. Okay, so for this week, we are going to talk about something we've talked about before. And in case you're wondering why we are revisiting some episodes, let me explain. Here's the reason why. Now, I want us to go on a journey to make our marriages better, right? So in order to do that, there are some things that we need to realize that we are doing so that we can stop them. And sometimes we cannot stop things that we don't know we're doing. Like for instance, if I'm speeding but don't know it, I don't know the stop. Or if I'm driving real fast or I'm just driving and don't know what the speed limit is, I don't know what I should be doing because I don't know that I'm doing something wrong. And sometimes I think that's just the key in any relationship. Like we have seen so many flawed and imperfect relationships that we don't know what we are doing wrong in our very own relationship. So what I'm doing is I'm kind of going back and I could tell you this all over again, but if I've already done an episode on it, but I think you still need to hear it and know about it, we are going to revisit that episode and listen to it. And then we can try to discuss it on Thursdays and talk more about it. And if there's something else that I want to talk about that I haven't discussed, then of course that would be a whole new episode. But I wanted to talk about these four principles because I feel that they're important. So this is going to be a part one and a part two episode. So this is the first one, part one. The next one will be part two. And what we're going to do is talk about John Gottman's The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. I know it sounds crazy. It kind of reminds me of a scary movie, huh? All right, so this is not a scary movie, but if you let these things creep into your marriage, it can have a scary and devastating result. So John Gottman is a world-renowned psychologist, and he studies marriages and relationships. He talks about things that help them succeed and things that make them break up. He has studied for years in what he calls his love lab, where he watches couples, ask questions, surveys, document how they interact, how they react to different circumstances, and he can predict with a lot of accuracy who's going to get a divorce out of the couples he study and who's going to stay together. Now, I know it's scary. Like, how does he do that? Well, he does it by a certain amount of things. He noted in one of his books, um, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, he noted in that book that many couples who argue a lot, that's not a predictor of divorce. It is how you argue. So if you're arguing to come up with a resolution, 
that's a sign. If you argue and don't attack your spouse, but together you attack the problem, that's fine. It depends on how you argue. If you argue and you're attacking your spouse and you're tearing them down and you guys are just going into it like they are the problem and not the actual problem, then you are making things worse in your marriage and you have a tendency or you have, it's possible you could divorce. So these are just some things that he predicted, some things that he looked at, and that's how he can find out whether people are going to divorce or not. Now, here are some other things that he talked about. Now, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which he said is huge in destroying marriages, it is some things that people do unknowingly. And I thought it was important to bring it to your attention. So, some what he said is the four horsemen is criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Now, all four of these things are detrimental to your marriage. If you can do one, it still can affect your marriage in a negative way. If you do both of them, your marriage is horribly affected. Three or four, you are definitely setting yourself up for a disaster when it comes to your relationship. So I believe this week, we are going to talk about um, criticism and contempt and what that looks like and what that means and the difference between criticism and a complaint. And then we're going to talk more about it in our Facebook Live on Thursday, and we're just going to get more into it. Now, in this episode, we do discuss what it looks like to what criticism is and what that looks like, what contempt is and what that looks like. And if you notice that you are doing these things in your relationship, then you know you have to stop. And if you need some help stopping, then I do encourage you to come to our three-day marriage boot camp. We did it a couple weeks ago, and we're going to do it again August 5th through the 7th. So if you notice that you're doing any of these things, I need you to be there so we can discuss what needs to be done so that you can improve your marriage and stop doing these behaviors so that your marriage can get better. All right, so without further ado, here is the episode that I did a couple of years ago on the Fourth Horseman. And in this episode, we're going to talk about criticism and contempt. Today on the podcast, I would like to talk about the four horsemen. Okay, I know that sounds a little weird to be talking about a horse and horsemen on a podcast about relationships and love, but this is a topic that I think we need to discuss and talk about. First, let me assure you that we are not going to spend the whole time talking about horses, or even horsemen for that matter. The four horsemen is really just a term used by psychologist John Gottman to describe certain behaviors that are detrimental to your marriage or your relationship. In the book, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, Gottman talks about behavior and characteristics that are indicators of a successful marriage and the behaviors or characteristics that can predict a future divorce. Yeah, when I first heard this, I was blown away by it. But he's able to do this because he has spent years studying Um, couples and relationships and how they interact with each other and the thing that I like about the book is that it shows that conflict is normal but the problem is what is your conflict style now we all know that conflict is everywhere conflict cannot be avoided but the thing that's important is like what your conflict style is now there are four conflict styles and they are all part of the four horsemen that we're going to talk about Four horsemen are conflict styles that are just destructive to your relationship. Now, there are other conflict styles that are not destructive to your relationship. In fact, they can actually help your relationship. 
because in life we have conflict and you need to learn how to work through them in a positive, mature, and informed way. But these are four conflict styles that are detrimental and destructive to your marriage or your relationship. And that is why Dr. Gottman calls them the four horsemen. Number one is criticism. So the first horseman is criticism. And it's important to know that criticism or criticizing your partner is so much different than offering a critique or voicing a complaint. Now, I know many people are like, well, I'm just saying what needs to happen. I'm just talking about what the problem is. No, criticism is a behavior that attacks you at your core. So it's something that attacks the person. So let's say, for instance, um, Susan wanted her husband, John, to clean up after himself. So she asked him, they talked about it, but he still had a problem following through with cleaning up after himself. So one day she was really upset. She comes to the kitchen. She's like, you're so stupid. Why do you always do this? How come you never clean up after yourself? Do you not care that I've been working hard? And do you not care I've had the kids all day? And I have to pick them up after I go from work. What she's doing is tearing down him and his self-esteem. She's attacking the person and not the problem of the dishes. Let's say, for instance, John was mad at Susie because... He had asked her time and time again, please put gas in the car. And because she did not put gas in the car, there were times when he was late for work. And he was upset about that. So what criticism would look like here is like, we only care about yourself. Do you, is it too hard for you to put gas in the car? Why can't you do this right? Why don't you even think about anybody else? That would be criticizing her and her character and not dealing with the problem of putting gas in the car. So that is the difference. So a complaint is something like, when you didn't put gas in the car, I was late for work. That's a complaint. Criticism is, you're so lazy, you didn't even put gas in the car. So you see the difference? One is attacking the person, the other one is just talking about the problem. So those are the two different things between complaint and criticism. So if you find that you and your partner are critical of each other, don't assume your relationship is doomed to fail because it's not. Now that you've noticed that you guys are critical of each other, then you have to take steps to change that. And later on in the podcast, we're going to talk about an antidote for criticism. But that's the difference between criticism and a complaint. A complaint just talks about what the problem is. Criticism attacks the individual. Okay, so the second horseman is contempt. Now, what is contempt? Contempt goes beyond criticism. Contempt is that's the person who you are contemptuous of. You assume that you're better than them. So it's like, well, I'm good at money, so why can't they be? And you look down on them, and you judge them morally, and you put yourself above them in a position of moral superiority over them because you think that you're better and that your way is the right way. That is contempt. When you're contemptuous about something or when you have contempt toward a person, it's almost like you have a dislike, a disdain, a strong feeling of... um disregard for them because of something that you perceive that they've done so if you have contempt for your spouse instead of just looking at something in a regular way you're going to be sarcastic when you talk to them you're going to ridicule them you might even call them names mimic them or just roll your eyes and scoff at what they say the target of contempt is to make the person feel despised and worthless and you're going to do that to let them know that i'm better than you and you should have thought about that or you should have done that that is contempt 
contempt is never good because contempt not only tears your relationship down and contempt not just destroys your partner, it also destroys you. According to research, people who have contempt and couples that are contemptuous of each other often suffer from infectious illness, such as the colds, flu, etc. And you wonder, why is that? Well, in a previous episode, I talked about how our body responds to stress and anger and anxiety in a way where our immune system is broken because we have flight and we have fight. So when your body and your mind is constantly put under these type of intense emotions, then your flight or fight response begins to take over because your body thinks that there's a danger somewhere. So if you constantly have contempt for your spouse, you constantly have ill will, you think mean thoughts, your perception of things terrible, you're constantly fuming at everything that they do, your body is going to perceive this in a way that they have to fight. And your body is going to do what it can to try to fight off whatever is bothering you. But in the process, it's going to weaken your immune system. Think about it. Contempt is fueled by long, simmering negative thoughts about your partner, which come to a head when the partner attacks the accused from a position of relative superiority. So when you're doing that, you're weakening your immune system. The more you focus on negative things, the more you put yourself in a negative mindset about your spouse, you are weakening your immune system. So the thing about contempt is like it's not just destroying them, it's not just destroying your relationship, it's also taking you down as well. So that is why contempt is terrible to have in your marriage. And most importantly, contempt is the single greatest predictor of divorce and it must must did i say must okay we'll say it again it must be eliminated if you want to have a strong healthy thriving successful marriage or relationship now the third horseman is defensiveness and it's typically a response to criticism now we've all been defensive i know defensiveness used to be my thing you know if anyone said anything to me even if it was constructive criticism I would get defensive because I felt like no one had a right to tell me anything or say anything to me. Because in my mind, I was like, I'm good. I got this. I don't need you to tell me anything. Of course, as I've gotten older and wiser, and of course, since I do have a degree in psychology now, I understand that defensiveness is a problem. Now, there are times in your life where you're going to be defensive, and you have every right to be defensive. But being defensive all the time and not being able to listen to other people's perceptions or critiques or um, criticism that may not be harmful, then it becomes a problem because then you don't change. Then you just think it's everybody against you and then you play the victim like, well, nobody likes me. It's me against the world. And that may not even be the case. It may be your spouse has a legitimate complaint and they were trying to tell you what their legitimate complaint is. But if you're defensive all the time, can't even deal with constructive criticism, then it's going to be difficult for you guys to work through these issues because you're just going to take a position of defensiveness. And it's hard to talk to a person who's defensive. Believe me, I know. Take this from me, the biggest person I know who is defensive. It's hard to talk to a defensive person because whenever I'm defensive, I'm not listening to a word you have to say. Why? Because I'm too busy protecting my own right rights against my preconceived um, injustice that I think that someone's done to me. So I can't even listen to what they're saying, even if it's rational or logical, because I'm too defensive. So defensiveness is not something that you want to have in your relationship. And if you're doing it, then it's very important for you to stop doing that right now. The fourth horseman is stonewalling. 
which is generally a response to contempt. Now, stonewalling occurs when the listener withdraws from the interaction. They shut down, simply stop responding to their partner. So rather than confronting the issue with their partner, people who stonewall can make evasive maneuvers, such as tuning out, turning away, acting busy, or engaging in obsessive or distracting behaviors. Now, it takes time for the negativity created by the first three horsemen to become overwhelming enough that stonewalling becomes an understandable out. But when it does, it frequently becomes a bad habit. And unfortunately, stonewalling isn't easy to stop. It's the result of feeling too much emotion, feeling psychologically flooded. And so when we stonewall, we may not even be in a state where we can discuss the situation rationally because it's just way too much. So this is why some people stonewall. And I think all of us have stonewalled to an extent. I know I have been the person to stonewall. And I have also been the person to stonewall somebody else or to experience stonewalling. So it goes both ways. But either way it goes, it is not healthy for your relationship because whether you're the person who's getting stonewalled, you're not discussing the problem. Whether you're the person stonewalling, you're not discussing the problem. So it's important to work on this issue so that you don't have to deal with that. And so you guys can work on the issue at hand and not avoid the conversation. So now that you know what the four horsemen are, take a minute to reflect on your relationship and see if you're using any of the four horsemen in your style of conflict. So think about it. If you find that you're using criticism and that you're critical, it's okay. Or if you find out that you stonewall, it's okay too. Or if you're defensive, like I was and I sometimes still am a little defensive, it's okay. Or that at times you show contempt for your spouse. It's okay. Now, why is this okay? It's okay not in the sense of, it's okay, go ahead and keep doing it. No, it's not okay like that. But it's okay because we are not perfect and we're human and we all make mistakes. And it's okay because you know what you're doing now. You know what the problem is. So you now know what you can do to fix it. The thing that I love about Gottman is that he doesn't just talk about the four horsemen in his book. But he talks about what you can begin doing now to change that behavior. Gottman calls this behavioral change the antidote to the four horsemen. And here's what they are. There's an antidote for each specific horseman. So the antidote to criticism is a gentle startup. A complaint focuses on a specific behavior, but criticisms attack the person's character. So the antidote for criticism is to complain without blame by using a soft or gentle startup. So avoid saying words like you or it's your fault, you did this, because these words indicate blame. And instead, talk about your feelings using I statements and express what you need in a positive way. So you be like, I need this or I feel this way. Because when you're talking about your feelings, you're not blaming the other person, you're just talking about how you feel. And so it's easier in this sense to talk about what is going on with you and to deal with the problem at hand. Notice that with the antidote, it also starts with things like I feel, which leads into I need. And then you can respectfully ask for that need to be fulfilled. So there's no blame, there's no criticism, which prevents the discussion from escalating into an argument. Now the antidote to contempt is to build a culture of appreciation and respect. Yes. So contempt shows up in statements that come from a position of moral superiority. So some examples of contempt 
does include, like I said before, sarcasm and cynicism and name-calling, eye-rolling, sneering, jeering, mockery, hostile humor. Contempt is destructive and it needs to be avoided at all costs. Now, the antidote to contempt is to build a culture of appreciation and respect in your relationship. And there are ways to do that. So, one of the ways you can do that is every day, tell your partner one thing that you love about them. One thing that you appreciate about them. Just tell them something that you appreciate about them. So, that is how you would show appreciation. And it starts off with small steps because if you have been contemptuous about your spouse for so long, it's going to be hard for you to all of a sudden just change and turn over a new leaf. But if you take small steps, then you can begin to genuinely appreciate them and genuinely find things that you love about them so that it won't become like a habit, It'll so that it will become a habit and it won't be something that you have to think about doing so much. When you find things that you appreciate about your spouse, what you're doing is creating a positive perception of them. And the more positive you have about them, the less time you have to think negatively about them. So this is like very important. Another thing to remember is that sometimes when we have to tell people things that may not be pleasant, it's important to do a ratio of like five to one in your emotional bank. So here's the thing. You say five positive things, one negative. Five positive, one negative. Because when you have five positive things, then a person is emotionally able to deal with the one negative. Guys, negativity can like completely zap you emotionally. It can drain you emotionally. So that is why it's so important to have that build up. So five positive things, one negative. You cannot go in with five negative things and one positive. That's not going to fill up their emotional love bank. But if you do five positive, one negative, then that's the way you can also start to talk about things that affect your marriage and things that are like hot topic issues without having an argument. You also need to watch your body language because sometimes your face will say a million things when you don't need to. So look in the mirror, practice saying things in a positive way and practice keeping your face together because sometimes I know with me I might say something but my my body language and my face will say something totally different I could be saying something really kind and sweet but if you look at my body language you'll be like okay she's just giving a double message a mixed signal and mixed messages because that's not what she's saying with her body so make sure your body language and what you are saying matches up and that they are consistent and that they are together so that your spouse will know that you are really trying and you're working on being less contemptuous toward them. And you got to try and develop that appreciation in a culture of love and appreciation and respect. Now, the antidote to defensiveness is to, okay, this one's crazy because I hated this one when I first read about it and learned about it some time ago. Take responsibility. Yeah. So, de defensiveness is when you protect yourself in a form of righteous indignation or an innocent person. Like, I, didn't, I didn't do anything. They just got mad at me. Like, that's just being defensive. And it's usually used when you're being criticized. But sometimes a person's not really criticizing you. They're just telling you something that you did that hurt them or something that happened that made them feel a certain way. So, all you need to do is take responsibility for your actions. And yes, I know, it hurts. Nobody wants to be, take responsibility for their actions. And I'm not just saying this to be sarcastic or anything. Like, seriously, I did not want to take responsibility for my actions. Like, it was easier for me to deflect. And it was easier for me to make excuses than to be like, Kiana, you know they have a point. You were wrong. You probably shouldn't have done that. Or maybe you could have said that a little differently. So 
taking responsibility for your actions and owning your mess is difficult, but it's something that has to be done if you want to get rid of defensiveness in your relationship. Defensiveness is really a way of just blaming your partner. You're just saying that, oh, it's not me, it's you. And that's never good because at the end of the day, if there's a problem, it takes two people to argue. If there's an issue, it takes two people who contributed to make this issue. So you have to take responsibility for your actions. And that, my friend, is a way to, or an antidote to get rid of defensiveness. And finally, the antidote to stonewalling is to learn how to psychologically self-soothe yourself. Here's what I mean. So if you are in a situation or you and your spouse are talking or you feel like you're overwhelmed with emotions, you can't deal with anything, take a time out. Like no one says that in your attempt to resolve an issue that you have to go full speed ahead all at once. No, it's a process. And if you realize that you stonewall and that you shut down when you're dealing with a lot of emotional things or when too much is being thrown at you, then take a break. You can say something, oh, I need to take a break right now. Can we resume this conversation at a later date? Then what you can do is go and do something that calms you. Now, I know for me, what I do when I feel like everybody needs everything from me and it's just overwhelming, I take a moment to myself. Like, I will go sit in the car. I will go for a drive. I'll listen to music. I will sing. I'll listen to audiobooks. You know, I'll do something to soothe myself, calm me down give me some perspective, give myself some time to think, and then once I think and I can come up with a plan of how to get things done and I've relaxed myself, then I go back into the situation because I know at this point I'm able to handle whatever's been thrown at me because I've had a chance to mentally prepare and calm myself down and soothe myself. So if this is the problem that you're having, self-soothing works miracles. So whatever it is, now self-soothing for me is using music, listening to books, or meditating. Now it can be something different for you. Whatever it is though that relaxes you and calms you down, even if it's just saying a prayer, whatever it is that calms you down and relaxes you, do that. And then after you calm yourself down and you relax, then you can come back to the conversation ready to tackle the problem at hand. And that is the best thing to do. Now none of these things are going to be easy. None of these things are going to make your life perfect immediately and you know what you're going to practice doing a lot of these things so if you are used to stonewalling you're going to practice taking that time out to calm down and self-soothe if you are used to criticizing you are going to practice extremely hard to show a culture of appreciation and to say something that you appreciate instead of something that you're upset about if you have a habit of criticizing someone then you are going to have to take the time to deal with that and to make sure that instead of criticizing someone that you use the antidote and the antidote to criticism is to have a gentle startup so that means for you instead of going into an argument and be like ah that means you gotta take some time and think about it like okay this is what i want to say this is what the problem is. How can I convey that to my spouse in a way where they understand what the problem is, but I'm not attacking them? So you may have to write it down. Like, if you have a problem coming up with it on the spot, write it down, practice it, and then have the conversation. These are things that takes practice. These are things that take time. So even though you know what the antidote is, it's not doesn't mean you're going to have to do it right away or it doesn't mean that you're going to know how to do it right away. 
But the point is that you're going to start to do it and you're going to practice doing it. Because as I like to say, practice makes perfect. So the more I practice something, the better that it is. Here's something that I've always been told, and I notice that it's true. I like to sing, of course. So whenever I'm practicing a song or whenever I'm doing something, it's like I keep practicing it and practicing and practicing. So if I'm ever in a situation where I get scared, the song just happens because I practice. And because of muscle memory, my vocal cords already know what to do. Regardless of how I'm feeling, my vocal cords know what to do. Even if it's at a point where I forget a lyric, because I practice so much, I can automatically just say what it is. And I think that's what we have to do when it comes to relationships. It's almost like going to the gym. The more you work on your muscles and build them up, the easier it is for you to deal and lift certain weights. And the longer you can go, your endurance gets better, your stamina gets better. So that's how it is in relationships. Like, if you realize that you stonewall and you can't deal with so much emotion, the more you practice self-soothing, then you'll be able to deal with more over time and be able to handle situations in a way that's conducive to the health of your relationship. If you notice that you criticize, you can practice having a gentle startup so that eventually you won't even have to practice it. It'll just come naturally because you've practiced it. I've noticed that in my life that when I make things a part of my lifestyle, then I'm able to sustain behavioral change. When I just do things, I can just do things and just mark it off the list of things to do. But it's when I make it a lifestyle that it can sustain, I can sustain behavioral change. And if that's what you want to do, I say practice, incorporate in your life every day. Make a conscious effort to do these things so that in the heat of the moment, you will not be angry and screaming and let any of those four horsemen come up in your relationship. So that is what it is. The best thing to do after you practice is continue to monitor yourself and realize what you're doing. So now that you know what the four horsemen are, and now you know how to counteract them with their antidote, which have been proven, you have the essential tools to manage conflict in a healthy way. So as soon as you see criticism or contempt come into your life, remember what the antidote is. Be diligent. Protect your marriage like you would protect a bank or a fort or your investments. Protect it like that because marriage is an investment that you are paying into over a long term with your emotions and your heart and your feelings. So protect that investment like you would if you were like a Fortune 500 company. Protect your investment.
Before I end the podcast, I would like to thank you so much for being here with me today. I absolutely love hanging out with you each week, and it's always a pleasure to spend time with you. If you love the podcast as much as I love spending time with you, I encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and make sure that you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I will also love it if you will leave a review for the podcast so you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show. Because I am so thankful to you guys, I am going to be giving away a free gift. I understand that being married can be difficult and stressful at times. So if you are looking for a way to stop arguing and resolve issues in your marriage, then click the link below in the show notes to download your free PDF about how to solve problems in your marriage. If you would like to contact me, feel free to contact me on social media by clicking the links in the show notes, and I promise you that I will respond to your message. Well, I think that's all for now. So until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye. Yeah, I can win, but it's